On this week's episode of the Boag World Show, we discuss design principles. What are they? Why you need them? And how to make the most of them? This season of the podcast is sponsored by Balsamic and Full Story. Hello and welcome to the Boag World Show, the podcast about all aspects of digital design, development and strategy. My name is Paul Boag and joining me on this week's show is the very wonderful Marcus Lillington and the very, very evil Lee Howe. Hello, Paul. <laughs> How are you? The first thing he said, the first thing, right, Skype started up immediately out of his mouth as, what's that alien? Talking about my face. Well, it was filling my screen and it was a bit of a shock, just, you know... in the afternoon after a long day. (laughs) I'm sorry. My face, my face is a bit of a shock. (laughs) That's what you've just said, Lee. I just want to be clear about that. This is why I don't generally like speaking, because I, words, they just come out wrong. (laughs) I can always rely on you, you Lee, to put your foot in it one way or the other. Foot, ankle, leg. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. The whole lot. Up to the knee. So, um, Marcus, I've got a confession I need to make to you. Oh, no. What? 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 I'm seeing other podcast hosts. <gasps> Did you what, know when, that? When, who, who, when, where, how, well, now, why? I, I, yeah, it's, it's not a proper podcast. It's not like this. It's not professional. It's, um, <laughs> it's a really, really unprofessional then. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing a, a, like a thing with Vitaly. As part of the the Smashing membership, we did the first um, one um, uh, yesterday. Was it? I think it was yesterday. Where it's it's really it's a nice little idea. Actually, it's very different to this. It's that um, uh, anybody who's a Smashing member can come and join in the show, and they can ask questions, and they can uh, we review sites together, and it's very interactive. It's you know it's the future. Other you know. Unlike this kind of dinosaur of a podcast. So you've been replaced, I'm afraid. Sorry to break that to you. So this is the very final episode then? Oh, no, I'll, I'll <laughs> carry on humouring you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, well, I, I, I was, um, Andy Clark tried to get me to do another thing, but I declined because of busyness. But it was yeah. just going to be talking about music and stuff rather than... Oh, I see. Rather webby. than rather webby things. But, no, yeah. so 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 what I've not told you is that we, uh, we've stopped. You know, I'm not actually going to publish any of these podcasts anymore. It's just for your benefit, <laughs> so you feel like you feel like you know you're still doing something. Thanks, Paul. That's all right, mate. I wasn't rude to you. Only no, him. that's true. I you weren't rude about my face. Can we basically? Can we just beep Lee out? Right, yeah. so every time that he speaks, we just beep him. Does that mean I can start that... swearing horribly? No, 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 don't do that, Lee. That's even worse. No, those are the bits we'd leave in. So everybody <laughs> just think you're Tourette's or incredibly rude, one or the other. Oh, I but don't, that... Paul, Paul, don't you do... You already do, uh, like, two podcasts a week, don't you, anyway? Because you kind of do your... Your, your oh, blog the blog posts. posts. Yes. You'll, be, you'll spend your whole time in front of a microphone if you're not careful. Well, no. I mean, that the, the, it takes me about, well, depends how long the post is, but it takes about yeah, eight minutes to record uh, the average um, Digital Insights show. 
But do you know those have suddenly become incredibly popular? In the last six months, we're now at the point where more people listen to my blog posts and read them. Because so, that way they don't have to put up with their terrible grammar and spelling mistakes. Well, but yeah, that's a good point. Reading's an yeah. effort, isn't it? It is. Listening you can also so speed me up as well. It really is. I'd much prefer. You two don't read books, stuff. do you? Neither of you. I, I usually now have an audio book and uh, an actual printed book on the go. Yeah, Even I one think on that's, that's very rude. I have, I have two books on the go at the moment that are in Kindle format. I d- obviously, I don't do paper. You know, I don't live in the dark <laughs> ages. Well, what I'm doing is Smith. I'm trying to throw my paper books away, but I think I should read them first. <laughs> so that's it. No, don't do oh. that. Well, let's face it. Book, yeah. Books are just insulation at the end of the day and things that add a bit of colour to a room. But <laughs> <laughs> There's so that much clutter. more than that. It's clutter. That- <gasps> oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm such a hypocrite. The, I've criticised people in the past. They've got if, no books it, in their room. It's going uh, to be about 30 seconds now before Marcus starts smelling books. Because <laughs> that, that's the thing. Start rubbing people, the paper. Yeah, mm. that's what people no, say. Oh, it's, it's not, not tactile. Oh, screw yeah, and I don't, tactile. I think that's rubbish, Paul. I think yeah. it, but oh, books, especially books, a book that meant a lot to you when you read it when you were 14, should still be on your bookshelf and you should be, still be able to refer back to it and get those feelings of kind of enlightenment that it would have given you. So don't throw books but, away. That's really but bad. But wasn't that the words rather than the physical object? Which is still there. Uh, no, both of them. No, no, no. It, because obviously we didn't have Kindles and things. <laughs> we only just had ink on paper when I was 14. Uh, and um, no, it's it's the actual item. It's the item that you, you know, all those kind of creases in the spine you made. Yeah, I've got a Charlotte's Web at my bedroom at home at my mum's. Um, quite a few books I never read back then either. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm not saying it. it I guess that that's maybe um how an author somebody that reads books all the time might view books but there's still there's, there still will be some like the first time i read the lord of the rings i was blew my mind um, mm. and many uh, and many examples of that since and i've still got that copy hmm. or copies all three of them so what are you so, reading at the minute lee uh i'm reading <laughs> oh <God>. i'm reading <laughs> something called the surgeon so the, these books that you're on my shelf i don't actually remember how they got there or who bought them <laughs> or someone who bought them for me i'm just looking at them thinking what are these things i've got no idea where they came from so this one's called the surgeon so far it's terrible <laughs> oh good and it seems that's, to be, that's um, dump it then it, well i thought I, no i think i should read it i mean it's it's a bit kind of gory i think when i say it's terrible it's, it's i think it's written by a doctor oh, right. but it's the usual thing bodies have been found detective blah 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 oh right <laughs> See, that's the difference with me, is that if it's a fiction book, then I will listen to it uh, as an audio book. If it's a work-related book, that's when I read it on the Kindle, because that way I can make highlights, I can search it, those kinds of things. So at the moment, for example, I'm reading um, a book called um, Strategy in the Fat Smoker, uh, which is, hmm. is is an excellent title for a book, I think. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know a few it's of those. Intriguing. <laughs> well, the, it actually makes a lot of sense. It's it's the the premise of the book is that 
Um, creating company strategies be like being a fat smoker. You know you should have a strategy, mm. you, um, and, but short-term niceness wins over long-term, you know, kind of commitment. So, you know, it's like if you know you should diet, but you never quite do it. You know you should give up smoking, but you never quite do it. And that's what most strategies are like. It's good. Mm. It's a good book. I highly recommend it. I got two books on the go at the moment. One is, and th- I ordered this months ago, and it's quite exciting when it popped up on the top of my Kindle. It was the new Alistair Reynolds book called Elysium ah. Fire, Ooh. which is uh, he goes back to Prefect Dreyfus, which is a kind of def- uh, detective type novel set around Yellowstone and the Glitter Band and all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, another one is uh, Neil Gaiman's book called The View from the Cheap Seats, which is basically a lot of his speeches, his write-ups on other authors and all this kind of stuff. And what it's great at is all the recommendations of books that he has. Ah, uh, so yeah. Worth, that's worth a read. Well, the, yeah, a- the Alistair Reynolds one, I'm just mm. finishing Absolution Gap. So that's my audio book at the moment. Um, that's a bit of a weird one, that one, if I remember rightly. To be honest, I'm not overly impressed with Alistair Reynolds. Uh, some of them are good, some of them some of them less so. That's a less so. That's the mm. one with the with the cathedrals on wheels, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about just the but concept that, that of that whole, sounds ridiculous. That whole that whole series, the Absolution series, hasn't done it for me. See? No. But there you go. We're all different. So nobody's reading other than oh, me. I'm reading Nobody's House reading of Sons a... is my favourite. Anyway, House yes. of Sons. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. did quite enjoy that one. Yeah. Oh, right. Sorry, Lee, yeah. what were you saying? So I am reading a design... Well, I'm listening to a design book called Glimmer. I don't know if you've come across that one. Oh, no. It's a few What's years that? old. Glimmer, how design can transform your business, your life, and maybe even the world. The thing is, it starts with, like, product designers. But these product designers seem to get called upon then to design, like healthcare systems and economies which seems a bit weird but um there's lots of kind well, of anecdotes yeah. and it's taught me to I, I like the idea from this book that it's okay you to like ask. the idea of you you changing the world <laughs> is what you <laughs> no, like but, isn't it? the number one premise it keeps saying is ask stupid questions and i think i'm quite good at that so yeah, this book has kind yeah. of made me feel i i can do it right i can ask stupid questions and that's okay I don't think that's enough by itself. (laughs) No. You know, you you can't just go through life (laughs) asking stupid questions and then hand across a really big, you know, invoice at the end. It doesn't work quite like that. And learning to love constraint, which we kind of already knew. Mm. Um, Mm. I'm a big sufferer of choice paralysis, so... Well, I always think with, with design in particular, I mean, in my opinion, that's the difference between design and art. You know, art is free from constraints and design works within constraints. That's my my little bit of um, uh, fortune teller. No, what is it? Fortune cookie wisdom. It's, there you go. Yeah, it's one way of defining it. Yeah, yeah. It's a bad yeah. way of defining it. But it most, is, the first it thing most way. artists do is find their style, which is imposing constraint on themselves, really, isn't it? Mm, that is true. Mm. Well, I liked so, you at that, Paul, until Lee ruined it. Yeah, well... <laughs> We, we've already established that Lee is a, just a bad influence on the show, generally. So another book I've got, the next book I've got lined up is called Success by Design, the Essential Business Reference for Designers. So I'm hoping that by the end of that, I understand business or alternatively understand how to be a designer. One or the other, either would do. 
so is that designing success or no, being it's, successful it's, as a designer it's all about you know this it's the trendy stuff isn't it who designers no longer well it's almost what you just said actually about product designers you know designers are no longer just um designing interfaces we're now designing business too yeah but it kind of feels like we've just used the word design in place of something else um well yeah i mean no what we've done is we've 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 uh, taken a load of stuff and wrapped the words design thinking around it yeah. and then now we sit we mm. sit in the boardroom and and look you know intelligent because if someone said lee but, can you design the economy for me please i mean first of all you come from it from a place of total ignorance and you design stuff from a from a user perspective uh but then the first thing that's going to happen is that you're going to get shot down by all the expertise in designing economies or whatever the word is for creating economies. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I th- it, in, in fairness to all of this, it, it's taking some of the working methodologies of design, things like collaboration, things like um, user-centric thinking, um, you know, uh, various kind of workshoppy exercises. It's workshops and, and yellow approach. stickies, isn't it? That's what it, it is. It basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And photos um, of people looking at them and pointing at them. Going, Look, uh, but which you, makes sense. Yeah. Yes, it, it does. And to be honest, you kind of, you know, we joke about it a little bit, but. I've been in enough businesses now and work with enough organizations where that kind of stuff is radical, mm. you know, where normally yeah. instead of, I mean, the, the best example of that, of design thinking is a really simple idea, which is that instead of sitting around talking about stuff, let's make something together, mm-hmm. right? Let's prototype something and try it out. Right. And do you know that in a lot of situations that is just radical, you know, instead, what you do is you form a committee and yeah, you have arguments group. and discussions yeah. and and, mm. and and you create specifications and all of that kind of stuff. So this kind of iterative, agile, collaborative, you know, working prototyping type methodology is quite radical for, you know, within certain parts of the business world. So, you know, it's quite interesting. I, I yeah. you know, I certainly have had some um, real good experience do, introducing design thinking, whatever the hell that is, to, to organisations. So, yeah, perhaps I've drunk the Kool-Aid. I do have a tendency of doing that, let's be honest. <laughs> I have sat I, I, Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I read a, um, an article or blog post Andy Budd wrote, I don't know, probably six months ago. And it was basically saying a little bit the opposite opposite of that in the fact that they were finding they were going into into workshops with you know with their with their sticky notes and their pens and all this kind of thing, and they were finding that the people they were sat down with were sort of going, "Oh, we just did this with the branding people last week, or yeah. we did it with the whatever the week before and and he's saying that maybe people are getting a little bit tired of it, but then the opposite of that kind of goes with what you were saying, Paul. And, and what his conclusion was that maybe we should just be doing something, uh, not yeah. asking endless questions and doing putting things on the wall, just building something mm. and seeing if it works. So, and yeah, I mean that is the trouble with the the danger with the kind of sticky note approach because I would actually agree with Andy over mm. that 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 the danger is that you don't actually produce anything that you talk a lot, and again it's just meetings in another form, isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think you've got to try and produce something tangible out of it and get to that as quickly as possible. So, I, uh, you know, a big part of what I do is mentorship. And, and one of the things that they often fall into the trap of is, you know, they feel that they have to get everything lined up before they can start producing something. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I take the opposite approach. Let's produce something shit now and quickly uh, because it's much easier to pick something apart than it is to to start from nothing, if that makes sense. Yes. Probably it doesn't, but anyway. All right, well, I think we've kind of waffled long enough. Um, let's you, talk... You, a- you, you can't move on yet, Paul. You have Why? the words on the notes. Everyday carry bags. Oh, I, I was, don't know what that means. I was going to save that for next week. It's a whole different <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Right, I've got to uh, wait a whole week to know it, what that means. Yeah, is it carrier well, bags or trendy man bags? No, it's this trend. It's this trendy man bag. I thought it was a thing <laughs> at the moment. Right. Uh, right. All right. Okay. Are you in a quandary the, the, some... about which one to buy? You are, aren't you? No, 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 no. no. It's not that. The reason I put it on is because I've realised that I need to start carrying a bag with me. Right. <laughs> really? Well, it's a sudden flash you, of I, inspiration. I need a bag. I've got, I need a bag. It's 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 a radical change for me, and and so I was you know looking at what bags were around, and I discovered this term everyday carry bags. So you've mm. sucked me into this conversation, mm. <laughs> right? Um, and it's like a cult, right? Really, <laughs> people are obsessed by it, right? But it's all. It's really weird. It's like, it's not what, because for me, the reason I want a bag is so that, you know, I've got something to put my iPhone in and a battery in my wallet and, you know, uh, some polos because my breath stinks and all my pills (laughs) because I've reached a certain age, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, everyday carry bag, it's like a flashlight and a a fire starting kit. God, yes. Washing and a, line. a big knife, yeah. And it's like <laughs> they're like it, it's this really weird because they talk about it as an everyday carry about. I don't know what their days are. Are these preppers you know, being ready for the apocalypse? Yeah, they've got their bag. They're okay. Got my fire starter. I can wash my socks. I'm going to survive. Yeah, but that's not every day. One hopes. <laughs> well, it you might know, be it, though. That's the thing. It's like they're fighting zombies every day or something. And I just don't get it. It's it's lost on me. So I'm going to, at some stage, I'm going to write an everyday carrier bag for middle-aged nerds. That's what, <laughs> and uh, and put, you know, sensible things on it. Cables. Like, you know. More, more cables. Well, oh, dongles. <laughs> dongles. Dongles more take dongles. a big part of it. And then, and plasters that can go on the back of your soles when your feet ache because you're not used to walking, you know, and, and ointment. We won't say what the ointment's for, but I'm sure I need to start carrying ointment by this age. Ointment. So, or yeah. smokes if you're a fat smoker. Exactly. Yeah. And, a, you know, cream bun if I'm, if I'm that way inclined. Anyway, we've spent, you know, nearly 20 minutes now on absolute pointless waffle. So all reading tips for Paul. It must be time to talk about a sponsor because that's what you do before you get to any valuable content whatsoever. So, yes, let's talk about Balsamic very quickly. So Balsamic is an easy to use wireframing tool that we've been um, that are supporting the whole of the season, actually. And what's really great about it is it's got a really uh, low barrier to entry. 
So wireframing is great for um, lots and lots of reasons. It's great for um, creating a discussion and a dialogue. It goes back to what I was saying a minute ago about it's easier to shoot something down than it is to, you know, endlessly discuss it. So throw something together in Balsamic quickly and easily and then start discussing it, start testing it, start iterating on it. I mean, this is a perfect example of... of you know, doing rather than talking. Um, and Balsamic is, is really good for that. It's it's also great for selling, you know, uh, ideas to your team without putting a lot of work in. Um, you can start to show rather than tell, which is one of my big things because a lot of people have trouble visualizing stuff. Um, so a tool like this enables you to quickly show what that those kinds of stuff. It is super fast to create and to test things. And in fact, I would argue, I was thinking about this. This is something that they wrote down, right? They they suggested it's so easy that it's it's it competes with pen and paper. And I was like, you know, I'm not sure about that. But then the great thing is, is if you think about how long it would take you to to draw, I don't know, uh, a calendar widget and and you with balsamic you can just drag a calendar widget straight onto the screen and of course you can move things around really easily so that's it, that's the thing yeah I, the fact I that you can anything? go you can about, well it depends you, uh, if it has if it's nice about the sponsor it, no, no, it, yes you can it's excellent <laughs> about the sponsor because i still use balsamic i think somebody i think you marcus said i didn't or something the other week but i use it in workshops for precisely that reason because it's easier than pen and paper and you can put it on the projector mm-hmm. and it's just the fastest tool um i've still got really for for getting ideas Mm, it really is uh, this i quite like this was a good reason good good reason for using balsamic is because it looks crappy right yep. which is not the kind of thing you expect somebody to say about their own product <laughs> but their logic for this is it, it's got to look rough and ready it's got to look hand-drawn because you get more honest feedback because it's obvious you haven't spent very much time on it and you don't get confused and think that it's something it's not which yeah. I think is really good. So you can get a 30-day free trial. Um, and in fact, you can do even better than that. You can get three months for free of using Balsamic Cloud, which is their web-based kind of collaborative version, by using the code BALSAMICBOAG um, alongside... <laughs> when you create the account, you have to put your billing information and you can just drop it in there. And you can find all of that out by going to balsamic.cloud. Okay, so that's that. Let's um, let's get on to the topic for today. Twenty-two minutes into the show, <laughs> this is what happens when we have Lee on the show. Yep, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep apologising. <laughs> so, so um, so I thought we'd talk about design principles. Because no doubt, no doubt, Lee, you've got some big problem with design principles and think they're a shit idea because well. you just like criticising, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> that, funnily enough, was my, um, my initial reaction until I started really thinking about it. Because, ah. because oh, dear. Are you not well, a convert, are you? We ought to well, say what design principles are well, yeah, first. Yeah, say what they are first because that was, yeah, right. was my first problem. So, so... Design principles are the thing that I spend quite a lot. I'm quite a fan of them. So so that's why I naturally presumed Lee didn't like them. Um, <laughs> so basically, there are a set of rules that define how you go about approaching design. So they're, they're um, 
particularly useful if you um, are part of an in-house team within an organization and you want to kind of um, set some some ground rules in terms of how you go about approaching uh, design. So for our typical examples were um, uh, things like uh, we always start with the user's need or we don't break the main experience to cater for edge cases or we design with data. Right. So the little kind of short, snappy statements that kind of cite, um, that define what you do and do not do in terms of design. So typically you have between about five and ten. If you end up with too many, then you kind of water each one down, if that makes sense. Um, uh, and and they're becoming increasingly popular. You find that there's a huge number of organizations that have set these kind of principles. And increasingly, this is one of those examples of. Um, a kind of design practice that's going beyond design because often um, these are now used to be broader digital principles as well or even business principles they're kind of like rules of operating Um, and I think they've come about largely because uh, it's very hard to plan a long time into the future when it comes to the kind of work that we do it's all very fluid so you don't have this kind of very solid goal that you're heading to in, at the end of the, the path, so to speak. So the, the other way of doing it instead is to have these set of rules within which you operate. So they help inform your decision making, especially when you're faced with multiple potential approaches that you could take. They're also very useful to, to explain and rationalize your approach. Um, And they unite your team around a kind of common approach and a common set of values and move a little bit away from personal opinion um, towards something a little bit more structured, although, you know, it's always going to be open to interpretation. So I think this is something you can have like at your team level. Um, on an individual project it might be that you want to define some design principles but even an agency like Headscape could have a set of design principles that when they first engage with a client they would say well look this is how we normally go about making decisions how we go about design these are the rules with which we operate and let's all agree on those up front so that you know someone in senior management might think twice about swooping and pooping on the project later. So that's that's basically my logic for them. Go on, yeah. Marcus. I think and I think they also, if you've got a design where people are going, you know, one the client might be saying, "Oh, I'm not sure this works," or or we're saying, "Yes, it does," and other people, maybe somebody else within Headscape's going, "Well, oh, I don't like that part of it." If you've got a principle um, or a bunch of principles that you can go back and say, "Does this design fit with that with with any of these principles?" or maybe you've got a principle. I'm looking at the ones that Ed uses, uh, Dieter Rams, which are kind of, he's an old product designer. Um, one of them is good design makes a product understandable. So yeah. if your design isn't making whatever it is understandable, then you could argue that it's not fitting with the principle, so you need to go back to the drawing board on it. So that it's, yeah, it's a kind of check checklist, really, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. So I, I wrote... I, I... <laughs> To decide whether I actually had any design principles, I decided to write down my design principles. It turns out I do have some. Yeah. So you aren't completely lacking in any principles. Uh, I, apparently not, but they're kind of these unwritten rules which we all kind of stick to um, without, or we don't really write down what they are in yeah. in this kind of sense. So they're kind of there. We just don't spend the time to define them. They're just sort of things we keep saying 
along the way of every project. And that's a good thing, I think. I think it's yeah. good to actually write them down and formalise mm. them. So go on then. What, have yeah. you, what did you I'm, come well, up with? Fascinated. I, yeah. I have got... See, my design principles come into my design principles because I didn't want too many, and that's one of the design principles. <laughs> so I've got right. five. Okay, that's good. So my mm. principles are, if I do the top level first, focused, mm-hmm. inclusive, aware, mm. flexible, and kind. Ooh. So you can kind of crowbar all your principles into these five. So focused, simplify, reduce, remove, you know, reduce copy, keep the information architecture shallow, create limited course to actions, don't overcomplicate things in technology, mm. focus on the top tasks, not features that people don't want, and probably lots of other things that you know, make our design focused on what it's about, what mm-hmm. the site's about. Inclusive, so we take, we include um, our accessibility guidelines being responsive, including different users on different devices. Performance is part of being inclusive, making sure people with older devices don't get hammered, so things degrade gracefully. Mm-hmm. People on slow connections, we have to include them and older machines. Um, in terms of being aware, we have to be aware of the brand of the client, um, data analytics the client needs altogether, um, making sure we collaborate with them. Um, the top tasks of their audience, we've got to be aware of those, aware of the user's challenges, um, and aware of things like design trends in their industry and what their competitors are doing. Mm-hmm. So we're kind, of, we're kind of always making sure we're aware of all this stuff. Uh, next one, flexible. So we have to not be precious in our designs. We have to kill our darlings when we need to. Don't get kind of don't hold things to heart and we need to um, be be flexible to get rid of things um be flexible by building things in a component component based kind of way so Mm -hmm. things are literally flexible they can be used in different positions um and being flexible with clients so when they have new needs um we're flexible with what they want to achieve Mm. and then being kind yeah, that's so, a weird one. I'm curious about this one. Okay, yeah, Paul doesn't like being kind. No, no, it's <laughs> well, not that. Don't... Neither do I. <laughs> 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 so, well, if you're kind, you're not tricking people with dark patterns. You're not mm-hmm. confusing people with dis- weird design choices and design patterns. You're not making life hard for people for mobile users. You're not making people wait around for stuff to appear. Mm-hmm. I went to a site today actually for a school. The homepage was 36 megabytes. Oh. Time to first paint was 37 seconds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So that wasn't a very kind site. I had no. to wait for ages and I was annoyed. Um, and yeah, so being kind. Imagine if I was on a mobile trying to do that and all my data was limited and I was in a, a mm. country with expensive connections. That wouldn't be very kind. Uh, don't force too much content onto people so they have to wade through all of the, these words. That's part of being kind. Mm. Um, make the content clear, easy to understand and read. And just be nice to everybody. Buy biscuits for meetings. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I like that last one the most, actually. I think I'm, I'm most behind that. That's don't don't really call good. Paul names when he appears on Skype. Yes, exactly. <laughs> don't laugh at someone's face. <laughs> 
I mean, that's just harsh, isn't it? Do you, you know, when you see when you see like people in the street that you know maybe are bolding a little bit, or just, you know, just do you point and laugh? Hysterics. <laughs> anyway, no, I think actually I think that's a really good list, and because I I made a list of um, kind of what makes good design principles, and you've kind of actually. Uh, hit on a lot of them right so you've avoided kind of trends you know you haven't said oh do flat design or something which is obviously those kinds of things come and go everything you wrote there kind of will stand the test of time you've expressed a strong opinion so you you've said things where um that it's not blindingly obvious and you know there are some things in there that that if you considered the opposite would be feasible as well if that makes sense um uh you've got uh stuff that is actionable and not just aspirational maybe not the top level ones but as you kind of drill down a little bit it's it's um you know it's got some very actionable stuff here and i like the way that you've done you've you've taken kind of tangible examples from each of the 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 different areas and you know turn them into something very tangible which i think is good and you they're very quotable i love the idea you know you could make amazing posters couldn't you of you know be caring and be yeah you know that's inclusive. what's going through my mind paul that's what i'm going to make him do mm. to go on the walls mm. oh wouldn't it be nice if the first letter spelled out a funny word but they don't no don't <laughs> maybe, no, maybe <laughs> Maybe they do in a different order. Oh yeah, fair, fair. Oh, it might be rude. No, <laughs> but you know things like that. I, I, I think is quite. A, we'll come on to that in a bit about how to use design principles. But you know, I think it's, it's a really good set. The, the couple of things that um, other things that I had in terms of what makes a good design principle is that um, it should be differentiating so what do i mean by that what that maybe somebody else doesn't do that you know maybe somebody doesn't consider that and that's why i quite like the caring one because i would have never <laughs> i would have never thought about being caring <laughs> but i would have never thought of framing it in that way if that makes sense so you know i think having some way of differentiating yourself through your design principles is quite good they should be based on a business or user need. Now, yours are almost all based on a user need, aren't they, really? It's about creating a better experience for the user, so yeah, that works well. I suppose so. Yeah. It's my personal, what I think about when I'm designing, I suppose. You've avoided making any of them kind of related to a functional specification, so you haven't. It, they haven't become too specific in terms of you know, what you would end up building. It's a really good list. I like it. There's wow, look at me, designing, print, designing design principles. There you go. You're a grown-up designer. One, they even had to be one word each because, you know, I, I, that's part of the number one thing, simplify and reduce. But then I waffled on about it. But the trouble is, again. yeah, I, that's a difficult one, isn't it? I always struggle with that because, yes, but do you lo lose clarity in simplifying? Yeah, that's that. This what, is something yeah. that often happens in IA. I try to reduce things down to single words, but then there's lots of them in my own because, well, they were probably won't understand that it's yeah. that particular thing because I've tried to be too concise. I, I would argue, I would argue, you've maybe been a bit concise. If mm. I if I if I can be critical of you, I don't like criticizing other people, unlike you, Lee. But 
you know, if I was going to level a criticism, it would be maybe that you've gone too far and it's become a little bit vague as a result. But, you know, whatever makes you happy. Who knew I was going to write a list? I didn't. No, it's good. (laughs) started spewing out. So, I mean, how should you use these? So, I I thought that was, you know, what what, um, uh, Marcus said about turning them into posters. It's about kind of... um, you know, uh, disseminating them so they become part of the culture and the way that you think as an organisation. So posters, screensavers, include them in proposals you send to clients. You know, mm. they should be on the website. You know, they they should be everywhere, if that makes sense. But, I mean, if you were going to adopt these, if Headscape was going to adopt them, you'd also want to consult, you know, other people in the company, um, so, you know, Ed should get his say in it. And, you know, so I think uh, part of w- creating a set of design projects, obviously you were just writing a list of the podcast, but in reality, it's about engaging with other people and having a conversation about your design principles and the direction you're going. Um, and that should be, you know, something you're doing with your clients as well at the outset of a project. Say so these are normally the way that we work. These are the principles we operate in. But is there anything specific to this project? And the other the, yeah. the other thing that I think is really good um, with um, the the example that you you gave there, um, Lee, is that you gave some practical examples of what that means in practice. So we make decisions with data, even for for example, let's say one of your um, your principles was we design with data. You go on to then explain that we make decisions with data, even if that contradicts our personal preferences. You know, it, so mm-hmm. it's kind of showing the cost of those um, those principles, you know, how it might be difficult. One thing that I did once with a company which worked really well, I was working with one company um, and uh, there was there were so many problems with their culture in terms of how they were operating. And so we decided to create a set of digital principles, design principles, whatever you want to call them. And um, I, and it, we are, we didn't have that many, but it was like you thought even this is too much. They're so far away from where they should be that that you know that a set like this. I think we had ten, um, which was probably too many. Um, you know, was would, it would be too much, too big a change for them. So we just picked one, which was let's test that, mm-hmm. uh, um, and we we turned it into a little mantra. So I basically said, every time someone disagrees in a meeting, just say, let's test that. You know, every time um, you show a design, say, let's test that. And and just keep saying it, right? Don't do anything else. Don't try and change the world or anything like that. But just keep saying that phrase, let's test that, let's test that, let's test that. So it became like this mantra. And most of the time when they said it, everybody ignored them. You know, and they never did do any testing. But over time, they came back to me, you know, um, I met up with them at a conference or whatever and got chatting with them. And they were like, like a year or two later, um, they started, they said to me, what, you know, over time, what started to happen is other people started to say it as well. Um, they kind of picked it up like an earworm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and they started saying it and eventually they started to actually do it. Um, so, you know, I think that's one nice thing about design principles is they can become 
agents of change. That sounds so pretentious. <laughs> I do like the idea that you can refer back to them and mm. if you've kind of agreed them, say at a kickoff or something, you can it's like you've got the, the rules by which you're all working together and you know, you've got something to point at to say, look, we 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 said at the start that we were going to not do these things or we are going to do these things rather than just because sometimes it just feels like you're pulling things out of the air mm. um have you thought about performance if someone is suggesting an idea or something mm. um it feels like you're trying to knock it down for no good reason but if you can point to some principles like this um that have been agreed at the offset then it seems like a very useful thing to be doing there's also principles there's a little psychology trick going on there as well which is that people like to be consistent so if at the beginning Mm. of a project they've said oh we're going to design with data and you point out later on that maybe we're not designing with data then they're going to be more inclined to do it while if you just suddenly say halfway through the project oh we should be designing with data you don't have that kind of leverage of wanting yeah. to be consistent and like you say you're pulling it out of your ass aren't you if you say it halfway through <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes yeah yeah where's this come from oh it was always there we just never really said it <laughs> yeah which yeah. is the good thing like you said is it's taking these things that you've always been doing and had in the back of your head and actually making them tangible it's good it's yeah. good yeah. see Look, I've I've actually by bringing up this subject, I've made Headscape a better place. Even though Lee did all the work, I'm taking the credit. <laughs> and I, I do think like we... that. Let, Sorry, let's Lee. Test just, that. Just, yeah, I like Sorry. that. Let's test that. I was just going to say that I I am I fully agree with Paul that it's something that we all need to agree upon, and I also agree that I think the single words aren't that helpful. When you first read them out, I was like, hmm. But then you did lots of brilliant. Um, examples of it so I think we can get some excellent um, finalised design principles out of that bunch that sounds cool let's do it do you know what that sounded like to me that sounded like a manager saying it's a good attempt but now we're going to do it properly (laughs) school teacher yeah (laughs) well done for trying (laughs) I'm sure there's some nugget in yeah sure there's some (laughs) nugget in there we can make use of and we'll just throw away the rest. Yeah. No, That's no, not what I was saying at all. So my, I think the, the moral of the story is that it, it's worth taking those things that you are doing already, that you are, you know, that is baked into your approach and actually formalizing them a bit, that they become mm-hmm. this powerful tool that you can use to, to, to um, just shepherd projects in a bit more of a sensible direction and maybe start changing culture just a little bit. The only word of warning I would say is, you know, remember that their principles are not gospels. They're not they're not rules, you know. Um, no, they're the law. Oh, they're, they're the, the law. law. You have to do it. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. I slapped. I, well, I think it would be re- you, you often end up in a situation, particularly with clients, when you're discussing designs or layouts or whatever. And you you you, you might be lost for a kind of kind of hard and fast this is you know these are the principles we're working to and you can end up sort of like just sounding a bit whiny or we need to consider the user and oh and data and stuff and it's like having something that's written down that you discuss in the first place just makes it that that much more powerful and you're more likely to remember it as Mm. well so Mm. great i love it good good then we are agreed we shall do these henceforth and forthwith (laughs) 
Right, let's uh, talk about our second sponsor um, before I give you a little bit of reading to, to inspire you on design principles and then some next ta- uh, um, steps that you can take on it. But our next sponsor is Full Story, who's also um, supporting the show for the entire season, which is really nice of them. Um, and in short, Full Story are the best session recorder out there. So if you use other session recorders that sound like a piece of kitchenware that becomes incredibly heated. Hmm. That's a bit cryptic, but if you know the one I'm talking about, then dump it. Dump it like the hot jar that it is. <laughs> See what I did there? See what I did? Yeah, yeah that's good, that. I would say. Because, honestly, full story is loads better. I was talking to somebody about this, exactly this, in Slack um, earlier today. They were saying that they wanted to get rid of their previous session recorder and was looking for a new one. And I all but screamed at them, which was not... It's not easy to do over a text-based system, but I managed it. Um, So just to give you an example of how it can be useful, one of their clients is a company called uh, Metro Mile. Um, that offers drivers a kind of pay-per-mile insurance service. So instead of paying a fixed fee, you pay depending on how many miles you drive, which is an interesting idea, but kind of confusing if you're not um, you know, used to it. Um, and some users were confused by, well, how do I get a quote? What's involved in this, etc.? So um, Metro Mile decided um, to use Full Story to kind of watch how users were behaving on the site and they were able to see where they got confused in the process, why they, um, when they went uh, abandoned a form or started clicking aimlessly around that they'd obviously had, uh, lost their way a bit. So through Full Story session recording, um, their product design and UX team was able to kind of put together new educational material on their homepage to better guide people. And then they were able to test that. They were able to watch users interact with that new system, see the the improvements that it made. And the result was that they were able to boost the number of quotes they got and ended up with a lot of happy customers. So that's the kind of principle of Full Stories. We, you can use it to identify where things are going wrong, um, get some indications about why they might be going wrong, then iterate and improve the system and then check it again with Full Story afterwards. So it, it really is an incredibly powerful tool and I recommend trying it out. You can sign up today and get a free month of their pro service. Um, uh, and then you don't have to enter any credit card or anything like that. And if you get to the end of the free month, you can still continue with their free service, um, uh, which is up to a thousand sessions per month, which in some situations is more than enough to tick along with, really. Um, so you can try that out using fullstory.com forward slash BOAG. That will get you the free month for free. For, there's a lot of freeze in that, and it's, it feels like a tongue twister. Whew. Right. <laughs> Further reading. Okay, so we've got some further reading for you on the idea of design principles. Um, Now, it is possible that you found our conversation and description of um, design principles maybe slightly disjointed, um, (laughs) maybe not quite as as clear uh, as it could have been because it's in a podcast setting and not because Lee's on the show. Um, so uh, there is a great article that you can read. Um, it's at cxpartners.co.uk 
forward slash hour dash thinking forward slash design dash principles. Um, and it kind of talks you through what design principles are, why you want to use them, how to go about making them, what makes good design principles, got lots of examples in there. So that's a kind of nice summary um, of where you can find uh, find out more about the principles behind your design principles. So check that one out. Then I've got two places you can look to get some inspiration for design principles because Good though Lee's list was, there may possibly be better examples out there. So the f- and different and more There's- exactly. So the, um, one is that you can go to is Jeremy Keith, who we've had on the show a number of times, has created a a, a list of design principles at principles dot dot com. Um, and he's got a whole load of different kinds of principles. So these are um, people's personal principles, like, for example, um, Tim, uh, Tim Berners-Lee's uh, principles, all the way through to uh, organizations like the W3C, but also b- big organizations like Google, all kinds of people, how they kind of approach things. And you might want to check those out because they are very, very good. There's some great ones in the list. But there's also um, another collection at principles.design. Um, I really like this one. You just like this one because it's prettier. I like it because it's yellow. Look at uh, that. And there's like 1,122 principles on here. I didn't know there were so many principles in the world. Who, <laughs> who Thousands. Yeah, you see, it's, it's, a, it's a, a very popular thing. And you could add your own principles. You can submit your principles, Lee. I'm going to submit my principles. Exactly. There you go. Wow, there it is. Yeah. So, Ooh, oh, it's a, Git, it's a GitHub. Repo. Oh, that that just confuses well, you, does it? That just made it a bit more complicated. <laughs> that's pathetic. Mm. That's to put people off, isn't it? <laughs> so, so they're great resources because, the, to be honest, the best way of starting to create a set of design principles is to give uh, uh, people something to shoot down. Exactly like we were saying right at the top of the show, you know, um, when we were talking about why you want to wireframe, why you want to do stuff, um, produce something rather than talk about it. So a good starting point is actually to to, um, go along to um, something like principles.design and get people to start clicking through um, at all these different principles. And if they see one that they like, print it out or write it out onto a different card, right? Um, and then lots of different people can all do that at the same time. So you'll end up with a whole load of cards on the table with different principles. And then you can start sorting those cards into similar ones or ones that overlap with one another. And then you could maybe um, try voting on those different cards of which ones you, you know, you like more and which ones uh, work better for you. Then you can maybe reword and relabel those piles of cards, etc. So, you know, make it an interactive, rich process rather than all sitting down at a table with a blank sheet and going, OK, so what are our design principles? Because mm. well, we've got not... some already. <laughs> you... well, I did start going, uh, what, are our des- what are my design principles? Uh... Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so um, yes. Yeah, so for the next steps, I would suggest you start, as I said, just in fact, I've, I've just said this, basically. Have a look at other people's examples. Learn what other companies are doing. 
draft an initial set of principles from that um, and then open it up for discussion and refinement and working on it together before eventually finalising it. Marcus, do you have a joke to wrap us up with? I do. And seeing as Lee was on, I felt that I had to have a really silly joke. Oh, I've got a silly joke as well. Oh, there we go. Two, two for the price of one. <laughs> okay, here we go. I went to the pet shop yesterday to buy a goldfish. The guy said, do you want an aquarium? I said, I don't really care what star sign it is. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's quite silly. Yes, yep. yes. This is, this is kind of um, nerdy. Okay, so what is Yoda's favourite dinosaur? Go on. A Doceratops. There is no try. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. I would have done a Yoda voice, but I don't think it would really come across very well. That, that, is, that is very good. Uh, or very bad. I'm not sure which at this exact I couldn't moment. decide either. I first thought, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Is that funny? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> so that is it for this week's show. Well, um, on next week's show, we're going to talk about are you confident you have the right design workflow? So we're going to talk about ways of working in design and how people go about doing it. Um, and we are being joined by somebody from the Slack channel. And I can't remember who it is. That's really bad. It's not isn't me. It? I won't be here next week. I'm, no. I'm out, I'm out um, breaking things on the snow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> no, I'm going to stick to the very, very nice gentle slopes. Good, good for you. Nice but I do want to encourage people talking about the Slack channel. Come join our Slack channel. It's yeah. it's turn it's turning into a great little place. I I've spent too much time in our Slack channel these days. Um, and it, it's really helpful. Everybody's really friendly. Um, lots of people answering questions and talking about um, everyday carry bags and other important features. <laughs> I missed that, obviously, because uh, I had no idea what they were. Exactly. So uh, I forgot on my login. I need to get a new the, login. The most, ex- the most exciting recent conversation has been all around the fascinating subject of Cloudflare uh, CDN caching. That's mm. We live on the edge. We really do. Um, so to join, you can go to boagworld.com forward slash slacking, and we would love to see you there. But until then, or until next time, thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh,